I see a lot of new faces tonight. I like that. A lot of unfamiliar faces. Just want you to know that on behalf of our, of our pastors and our staff and our elders, it's not lost on us that you could be a lot of other places on a Saturday night. But we're glad that you're here. And we want to thank you for being with us. Hey, in Heart of the City Church, I'm glad you guys showed up too. Thank you. <clears throat> My name is Seth. For those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, I hope to, many more of you, and uh, serve as one of the pastors on staff here. I'm honored to be able to deliver the word of God to you tonight. It's become one of my very, very favorite things to do. And it is something that I don't do lightly, something I recognize, I think, the weight of, and it is a distinct honor for me to be able to do that. Our first primary passage today is made up of the very first words of the Bible in Genesis 1. Genesis is the story, for those of you who are not familiar, it's the story of the creation of the world, the tragedy of the fall of humanity, and it is the beginning of God's plan to restore all things. This is how our story begins. We're going to read verses one through five, but if you know me, you know I'm about to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. The first day. Don't sit down yet. <laughs> Next, we're going to read the opening words of another book of the Bible. This is the Gospel of John. Now, this Gospel account is known as the most different of the four accounts when compared to Matthew and Mark and Luke. You know, some have said that the first... ...what Jesus did. But John made it his mission to reveal to us who Jesus is. Once again, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's word. You may be seated. <clears throat> Honestly, I think I could sit down at this point and you guys would have had some really, really good word for the day. 
These are two passages that are so incredibly deep and rich. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to tell you a little bit about them. Hopefully be able to share something that maybe some of you haven't seen before. I'm sure that you've noticed, but we have entered the darkest time of the year. Doesn't, sun doesn't rise till like 7.30 and then it's back down again by four. In just a few days, we're actually going to experience something called the winter solstice. You guys familiar with the solstice? Winter solstice. It's, uh, it's the official beginning of winter. I talk about this a lot with people in Coeur d'Alene and their expectations about weather, et cetera, et cetera. I can't get into it tonight, but the solstices and the equinoxes are kind of a soapbox of mine where people are expecting weather to behave a certain way. And I'm just like, you guys, the solstice isn't even here yet or the equinox isn't even here yet. But anyway, it's also known as the shortest day of the year. Now, my son during this season, he, uh, his name's Jameson. He's two years old. He wakes up from his nap in the afternoon and he goes, where'd the sun go? And I'm like, I know, I get it. He's like, this isn't right. I'm not supposed to wake up from my afternoon nap and it's already dark. I should just go back to sleep. And then when the sun is out and he wakes up and the sun is out, he goes, it's not dark anymore. As if dark is the default for this season, which I mean, it's hard to argue with, with the young man. Now, whether, you, whether we notice it as much as Jameson the darkness of this season and the shortness of days actually does have, a, have an impact on us. Am I, I'm not the only one, right? Short days impacting anyone else lately? All right. It's affecting me. All of a sudden, my alarm goes off, and I'm like, it is the middle of the goodness gracious night. Nope, it's six. Now, today I want to talk to you about light. And I specifically want to talk to you about the role of light in the story of God. The role of light in the story of God. Before we get any further, I want to pay honor where honor is due because I got some help with this sermon. I uh, leaned heavily on two resources, my my good friend and theologian, Jamie Meyer, and our very own youth pastor, Logan Zanhusen, who is going to be uh, preaching a very similar message at Post Falls tomorrow morning. So thank you. And thank you, Jamie, if you're watching. Now, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to ask you to humor me for a minute. I'm going to do something a little bit unique. It wasn't my idea. It was Logan's idea, but I liked it. So we're doing it. I'm going to read these two passages again, but I'm going to do it as if they were meant to be interwoven. We just go with me for a minute. Not something I would usually do with the scriptures. Okay. Let's hear these passages again together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was in the beginning with God and God said, let there be light. And there was light All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God called the light day, 
and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, whether John or better yet, God intended for us to ever read these two passages like I just read them is speculation. I don't know. But I can tell you this with certainty that with his introduction, John or God through John is clearly inviting the reader to think about the creation story from Genesis. He's clearly doing that at the very least. So we're invited to think about the creation story. And then we see him use this term, the word in some very unique ways, but why? In the original Greek language, this term, the word is logos. Have you heard the word before? Logos. This word would have been loaded with meaning for its readers, both the Hebrew and the Greek for different reasons. For the Hebrew readers, they would have seen logos and they would have noted that to refer to the word of God is as to refer to God himself. They would have been provoked to ask this scandalous question. Who is this who could be God himself and yet with God? For the Greek readers, they would have seen logos and thought something fairly different. They would have immediately associated it with the power that puts sense and order into the world. I'm not talking about Greek Christians. I'm talking about Greek philosophers. The logos was the word for the power that puts sense and order into the world. In the beginning, creation was put into order through the word. Then in Genesis, we see this mention of the spirit of God. And in John, he repeats that the word was with God. My question for you, why would he say it twice? He already said that the word was with God. Why does he need to reaffirm that? And why do it in verse two? If John is, still has the creation narrative in mind, it seems that what he's trying to do is express the mystery of the triune God. Profoundly one, and yet distinctly three. Then in both passages, we turn to the topic of light. Let there be light, and there was light. The light, the life was the light of men. God separated the light from the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, what is John trying to do here? Why, why would he open his gospel account with words that are so closely paralleled to the beginning of the Bible, with Genesis 1? Why not talk about Joseph and Mary? Why not talk about the way that Jesus was descended from David? Why not something just a little bit more Christmassy, John? John had a different intention. John was set out to establish that Jesus was a man, but not just a man. That he was and is God. One with and yet distinct from the Father. 
Not only that, but this parallel to Genesis 1 gives John a very unique opportunity, a very unique opportunity to reveal a significant part of what Jesus came to do. And according to John, a significant part of what Jesus came to do was to bring, but not only bring, to be the light. But why? Why is light so integral to the identity and the mission of Jesus? Let's think about it practically for a minute. What does light do? Light exposes. Light brings clarity. Light helps us see. All true. But in Genesis 1 and John 1, we see light doing something very specific. In Genesis 1 and John 1, light is acting upon darkness. In Genesis 1, darkness was over the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In John 1, Jesus, the light, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The phrase, the darkness has not overcome it, is translated in a lot of different ways in different Bible translations. You may be reading it with it, with it saying, the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not grasp it. I like this one. The darkness can never extinguish it. These are all translations of the Greek term, katalambano. Kind of a mouthful. Or if you want to say it with a, not a Greek accent, but a different one, katalambano. Uh, that's the way I read it naturally, but got to go with the accents that's on the actual Greek. So anyway, this is what this idea communicates. I personally, this, what it actually communicates, I, I would have loved it if it was just written out like this. Listen to this. It, it communicates this idea to lay hold of so as to make one's own. You got to grab hold of this. No pun intended. To lay hold of as to make one's own. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot lay hold of light to make it its own. Another maybe modern way to think about it, darkness can't handle light. You see... Oh, church, church 2023 in the United States of America, y'all need to hear it. When darkness and light collide, it does not create a mix of the two. There is no struggle when light and darkness collide. Darkness plus light equals light. It doesn't matter how, how profound the darkness was. As soon as light touches darkness, it is redefined. It is now light. With how much darkness we perceive around us, let me tell you a lie that's, that's it, it's, it's a picture, it's a deceptive picture that's in a lot of our heads and it has to be broken in order for us to walk out what God is calling the Western church to right now, y'all feel me? The picture that a lot of us have is that God and Satan are in a competitive duel, evenly matched, ancient rivals, Almost as if they're sitting across from each other in a game of chess. 
neck and neck, trying to figure out how to counteract each other's next move. But that's not how it is at all. The moment that Satan set his face in rebellion against God, he was in checkmate. Every move that he has made since then has played directly into the hand of the Father. You need to hear this, church. God has never been surprised by one step that Satan has taken. And he has never not had a plan about it. This is the state of Satan right now. Not in a place where he can be strategizing and seeing if he can beat God. No. He is squirming. He is trapped on every side. He is dreading his final demise. And the only move that he actually has left is to try to get you to think otherwise. We can't give him any more power than that church because no more power than that belongs to him. The only move he has left is to try to get you to think that things are different from what they are. Him defeated, awaiting final destruction. Because what is the power of darkness but to conceal the truth? All it can do is hide from us the things that are as they are. We've given darkness way too much credit. We've given Satan way too much credit. He's got his hands tied. And Jesus has given us the beating stick. I want, to, I want to read a little bit more from John chapter 1. I think it's relevant. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Very unfortunate. Real bummer. But I got some good news. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Hey, look, like it or not, church, this is John's Christmas story. This is his version. You can't tell him it's not Christmassy. Who, who decided what was Christmassy? 
that maybe perhaps he knew. And if, and if he didn't, God certainly knew that we would commemorate the day that the word became flesh, the day that the light came into the world, that we would do those things during the darkest time of the year. It's almost like he knew. Almost. For many of us, though, the darkness that we're experiencing feels, it feels much deeper than short days. Let's be real. Whether we perceive it in our personal lives or we observe what's happening around us in this world, it can seem as though darkness is gaining ground or God forbid, and I'm not actually using that as a figure of speech, I mean it, that darkness is winning. God does forbid, and darkness doesn't win. I have a message for you, I believe, for a church who feels overwhelmed by darkness. A church who seems to see things as if darkness is is actually taken over the light and there's more dark than light and all those feelings we might be having, including hopelessness, despair, maybe it could be encapsulated with it's going to hell in a handbasket. I have a message for that church. The only strength that is left in darkness is its ability to conceal truth. And the truth is that the light has come. And the truth is that the light continues to shine. And the darkness can't handle the light. Now, we just read that when the light came, that when Jesus arrived, his own people did not receive him. Every time I read that, my heart is still broken for that reality, but it is the reality. But to all who did receive him and believe in his name, this is very important for you to hear this part. But to all who did receive him and believe in his name, he gave the right, the right, We like rights. We like rights in the, in the United States. We like that. This is the most important one. And it makes all the other rights that we like to pale in comparison. He gave those the right to become children of God. And with that position, eternal life in his presence, hope beyond the grave. My question is, will you receive the light? Will you accept his invitation to be a child of God and live forever with him? Or will you choose to continue to live in darkness? Will you choose to continue to live in darkness and so align yourself with an enemy who has already been defeated and is destined for destruction? In the end, your allegiance 
will be to light or to darkness. There is no middle ground, friends. There are no points awarded for being a good person. Your allegiance will be to the light or to the darkness. And the state of your eternity will be a reflection of that allegiance. And to make no choice is to believe the lie of darkness. I want to make that very clear to you. To make no choice is to make a choice. It is to make the choice to believe the lie of the power of darkness. Okay, Seth, bring the good news, bring the good news, bring the good news. I already told you the good news. To everyone who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That is my message for you tonight. I, know, I believe with everything in my heart there are people who have not received him in this room. Who have not believed upon his name. Who have not trusted him as king, as lord. Who have not given him their wholehearted allegiance. And I simply want to invite you invites you to receive the light.